0: Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, super good to be here in Ferndale. Congrats to the uh, the Ferndale team. Man, that's awesome, winning the World Series. You can put that on your resume forever. That's awesome. Um, so uh, I wish I was here in better condition. On Thursday, I couldn't talk at all. And uh, so that's why I have this big, huge orange water bottle here. If you see me pass out, Clark will come up and escort me off the stage. No, but... Um, so I couldn't talk on Thursday, um, so now I can talk a little bit, and my eyes are a little red, but I'm getting through it, um, so I, I made it through the last service, so hopefully this one will be just as good, so, um, but it's, yeah, it's really good to be here, uh, it's just cool that we're a part of a bigger church family, a bigger church network, um, Rich and Eric are up in North Bay this morning, worshiping, and it's just neat, you get a full picture of, you get to see what God's doing um, all over Whatcom County, and, and God is 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 moving in our network. People's lives are getting changed, and it's just it's cool to be a part of. Uh, we did call CTK Ferndale home um, before uh, accepting a call to to be a pastor at, at North Bay, and that's I'm excited to follow follow uh, God into that call, and it's just been really good over these past four months. Uh, miss you guys though, Ferndale's home, so uh, <clears throat> so. Have, we have missed you guys. Um, throughout, throughout the summer, all of the, the different campuses, CTK campuses, have been going through this series called Flawed. And the, the main idea of this series, Flawed, is that God uses, um, God uses flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. You know, sometimes we get hung up on feeling like we have to live this perfect, spotless life, that our past is too too heavy for God to use, but the truth is that God uses us, and often it's at the time when we're, we feel the most weak and the most vulnerable, um, God uses us. And so this summer, we've been going on this journey through Hebrews chapter 11, and it's a chapter that celebrates uh, the faith of people in the Bible that when you look closer, when you put a magnifying glass on their lives, you realize, man, these, these people made a lot of mistakes. These people walked a pretty tough road, and uh, their lives are messy. And uh, we, didn't, we see that god God is glorified in, in in the midst of these imperfect lives lived out and these these imperfect lives are actually celebrated, and they're not celebrated because because they were they they had it all together on the outside, but that they had faith and they trusted God with everything and so the hope of this series is really that you would feel both empowered and encouraged in your faith that you that by looking at these lives of, of all these people celebrated in the Bible, that you would you would feel like I can take that next step of faith. No matter where you're at, no matter what circumstances, no matter what's li- life is thrown at you, that that everyone can take a next step of faith. There's no secret formula to faith. It really is just trusting God with everything, laying it all down. And so um, today, we're what, what I like about this series <clears throat> is that we get to look at, at this big idea of faith, but we get to look at it through different lenses. We get to look at it through the lenses of different stories and different people in Scripture. And so the lens that we look, we, we're looking at today is going to draw out um, <clears throat> what is really the enemy of faith, and that's selfishness. It's, it, it's, this this story is going to shed light on a struggle that we all have that's in us, all of us. It's this struggle of selfishness. Um, one of the things that holds us back, uh, it's the main thing that holds us back from, from walking by faith. We get so into our life and ourselves and, and, and what we want, and, and we get our eyes <clears throat> off of God. Uh, Hebrews would call this an evil conscience. It's been called a corrupt mind. It's something that we, we all have, that we all fight against. Uh, our, our desires fight against one another, this desire to love God and this desire to love ourselves. Uh, our life is a journey of, of, of com, uh, constant conflict between those two things, deciding am I going to follow tr- God, trust God, or am I going to love myself and, and do what I, <clears throat> what I want to do? And it's this battle over desire. Um, to illustrate this struggle of selfishness, I thought I'd, I'd share a story from when I was seven. Uh, when I was seven, I lived in a, in a neighborhood with lots of other kids on a busy street. And in the summertime, we'd all hang out in the front yard. And so when, there was one summer day, a beautiful summer day. We're outside. We're just playing. And then we hear this noise. The noise goes like this. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. do 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 What does that mean? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Uh, ice cream, right? I love ice cream. So um, so I run in the house, and I tell my mom, hey, can I, can I have some money? The ice cream truck's here. I, I need some money for the ice cream truck. And so she sends me out with $4. But this is what she says. She says, okay, here's $4, but you have to get an ice cream for you and your little brother, okay? That's what you have to do. So she sends me out. I go back to the ice cream truck, and you know ice cream trucks. They've got all these beautiful images on the side, lots of nice colors, it's just wonderful and amazing. And my eyes scroll to this one that's, that that blows me away. It's Super Mario's face made into an ice cream bar. And not only that, it has like a cherry bubblegum nose on it. And so, being a fan of Mario and ice cream, it just it was a must-have for me. So um, I looked at the price, and it was three seventy-five. Dang it. Okay, well. I'm seven, so I can do a little bit of math. So I look around and I find a small orange popsicle for 25 cents. <laughs> Nailed it, man! Okay, got it covered. Got something for my brother. I got something for me. And I buy it. I get the Mario face. I bring it in the house. My, I have never seen my mom so mad, because <laughs> I was a selfish brat, and uh, I wasn't wasn't fair. In that moment. But we're all born selfish, right? We're all just born with it. Um, we can't help but, but feed that and, and <clears throat> live into it. It's a curse that's existed from the beginning of time. Selfishness is like a disease that never goes away. And it gets in the way of us experiencing healthy relationships, uh, healthy marriage, um, help, making healthy decisions. Our selfishness really gets in the way of every part. Of our life. So, as we look at faith and selfishness today, um, we're going to look at it through the lens of two other brothers. Um, We're going to look at it through this lens of sibling rivalry. And more than most relationships, uh, siblings, your brothers and sisters, can bring out your selfishness more than any other relationship. I don't know if growing up or right now, like your, your relationship with your brothers and sisters is like this struggle of mine, 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 from the beginning, and it just gets worse with time. Um, you know, you, your relationship, maybe, maybe if you're an adult, your relationship with your, with your brothers and sisters is cool now, but growing up, didn't you guys go at it over stuff? Um, I know I did with my brother. I, uh, we fought over who was most popular, who was the strongest, um, who <clears throat> was the best athlete, best musician. We were always in conflict, and we were always arguing over who got the most ice cream, you know, those sorts of things. But we were always comparing, always in conflict. So this, the siblings that we're going to turn to that if, in Hebrews 11 are, are Cain and Abel. As this, it's the story of Cain and Abel. Abel is actually the first name mentioned in the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 it starts with Abel and Cain and Abel and he's the first one to come chronologically but if you've heard this story it's a, it's a it's a tale of two brothers and this this sibling rivalry where one is celebrated and one is cursed and typically in this series we look you know we look at one person and we look at their whole life and we examine their flaws well this, this story gives us a comparison between Uh, One brother who walked by faith and one brother who lived in selfishness. And so that's the comparison that we see in Cain and Abel. And so Hebrews 11.4, this is where it comes up. In Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So, spoiler alert, Abel does die. So if you need to brace yourself for that later on, it's coming. Uh, but Abel is is an interesting character. He's the younger son of, uh, of Adam and Eve. And um, this, is, this is kind of the, the beginnings of the, of, of the two brothers. So if you go back to Genesis 4, it says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and had a baby, which they named Cain. And Cain was celebrated. It, after Cain's born, Eve says, With the Lord's help, I've given birth to a man. You know, this oldest son is, is this big deal um, for family. It's like uh, starting at the beginning, it's like the, the big part of the inheritance goes to the older son. <clears throat> it's, even the name Cain is interesting. The name Cain means possession. Like Cain was Eve's prized possession, that that she uh, accomplished what she wanted to do as a mother. It was it, he was he was her uh, her prize, and then the second kid comes along, Abel. Abel's the second child, and the the name Abel is really interesting. The name Abel means vanity. Why vanity? And that's not the thing that goes in your uh, bedroom or whatever. It's like, she names him Vanity because, because to her, she, she was satisfied with Cain. And so Abel is, is the icing on the cake. Abel is like, oh, this is, this is a luxury to have two sons. And I, you know, not to that extreme uh, for me. I have three kids. Uh, I wouldn't go to that extreme. But I would say that, that we, as parents, just naturally, we we pay more attention to that fir- when that first kid comes along than we do when the second and third kid comes along. Um, when our first child was, was born, uh, we had her at, at a hospital. Uh, we spent the maximum amount of time that we could, just making sure everything was right and, and you know all that was, was good. And, and, and we spent two whole days there, and then on the third day, I remember putting her in the car and driving about three miles an hour uh, on the streets of downtown Portland, just going really slow, just nobody better come over here. Uh, Now when the second kid came along, our son, two and a half years later, we didn't have him at a hospital, we had him at a birth center, which what I realized is like the fast food version of the hospital, (laughs) it really is, it's great, I actually love it. Uh, so, so he's born, they do everything they have to do within two and a half hours, and literally, bef- even, even, like, before, after two and a half hours, after he's born, I'm strapping him into the car, okay, it's time to go home, welcome, welcome to earth, man, let's, uh, let's get home. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's different, we, we, there's something about that first kid, you, you, you know, they get kind of, uh, I remember our daughter just had all sorts of stuffed animals, and it was the first granddaughter for my parents, so they just doted on her. And the second kid was very exciting, but it was it it was, it was a little bit um, it was you know it was a little bit less maybe, and um, you know fast food right? Um, so so uh, we see this in Cain and Abel that, that Cain being celebrated and Abel being sort of the the, uh, the extra. That it, whoa okay i 'm going to fall over. I better watch what I say um, so uh, that we see that we, we see that that has a profound impact on Cain uh, and Abel's life as they get older. Cain takes this career path of of farming, and Abel takes the career path of of shepherding, so Cain uh, is farming and raising crops and fruits and vegetables. Abel is uh, tending sheep. And that, first off, that doesn't really matter what career path they chose. It, you know, it's, it's great that they, they chose two different uh, career paths, no big deal there. The difference comes in when they go to worship, when when Cain and Abel go to worship. And this is a point in time, it could be at the end of a of a harvest season or we don't know exactly when this point was, but it was a time when both brothers brought an offering to God, to worship God, to recognize God for who he is and how he provides. Much like we do when we when we tithe, we give out of our paycheck or our first fruits, that sort of thing. We come and we we offer it to God, recognizing God for who he is in worship. So when they when they come to worship, it says that Cain brought some food. That's literally what it means. It's it's like Cain, Cain just looked around and, and said, all right, oh, this will work, this will work, this will work. There wasn't a lot of intentionality into Cain's offering. And he picks it all up and he takes it and he, he presents it to God. When Abel comes to worship, he's very careful to pick the best, his oldest lambs, uh, the, the, the tastiest, fattiest portions of meat. He takes and he offers that to God. And what God does is he accepts Abel's offering, his worship, and he rejects Cain's. It it literally means that God looked at Abel's offering and it appealed to him. Cain's offering didn't appeal to him. And so why is that? Well, more than what the actual gift was, the offering reveals the heart. The offering reveals the heart. Cain gives with one heart. Abel gives with another heart. God responds to Abel's heart, not to Cain's heart. So let's look at that a little bit more. What do we learn from God's interaction with Cain and Abel here? Well, what we see in Cain's gift is what I would call a very religious approach to worship, a very religious approach to offering. And we see that God rejects the religious approach to worship, that and Cain's gift to God came from this life that's self-focused. So to him, to Cain, worship was a routine task, a check-off. Like, I, okay, I'll just grab some stuff and go. Um, there wasn't intentionality. There wasn't care put into to Cain's offering. He looked around at what he had grown. He grabbed what he, what he saw, and he, he went, and he brought it to God. So what's behind this religious approach to worship? When If, if, we, if we come religiously to God. What does, that, what does that look like? I would say the goal of religious, the religious approach to worship is appeasement. We're trying to appease God. Like Cain, Cain's trying to appease God. Uh, he, he'll give what he has to in order to keep God happy. And it's not surrender. Cain's offering is not given in a, in a full surrender. It's just giving, giving enough to God that he leaves him alone. That he's just, okay, I'm going to go live the rest of my life. This is what you want. Here you go. It's like Cain's just checking that off. He's just, it's a religious thing. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, in religion, you obey because God is useful. And too often we approach God as, as, as just something that's useful. Like, I think Cain recognized that God is God, but he didn't really want to go deeper. He wanted to leave it there, and God was useful to him. And I think a great illustration of that. Is uh, I'm going to share share a little bit. So, like I said, I used to live in Portland, and there was a there was an ad there from an auto dealership that featured this character called a trunk monkey. Anybody seen the trunk monkey ads? So this is great. I'm glad I preface this. I just when I shared this at North Bay, um, I I talked about it, and I thought everybody knew what it was. I didn't know it was a local ad, and everyone was like so confused. So. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about it. So the, a trunk monkey, there's this, there's this auto group. And, and the, the idea behind the trunk monkey is that whatever trouble you could get into on the road, there's a button on your dash that says trunk monkey that you can press. And a chimpanzee jumps out of the back and takes care of whatever issue you're facing. It's great. So in, in one example, um, there's a guy in a road rage situation. So there's a guy on the steering wheel like this. Outside his window, there's a guy like yelling at him like this. The man hits the trunk monkey button. The trunk monkey comes up with a club, beats the guy, and the guy can go free. Um, so there's other examples. Actually, if, you know, YouTube trunk monkey sometime. And you can just spend hours and hours just watching this thing, getting, getting filled in on it. If you get nothing else from today, maybe, maybe that, maybe some time watching trunk monkey videos <laughs> is what, what we'll get. Um, but the, the point is is that often we treat God like a trunk monkey, like he's, he's the Mr. Fix-It man. If, I'm get, if I get in trouble, that's when I ask for God. I just hit the button, and God responds. We don't want God to be the driver sometimes. We don't want God to even be in the back seat in case he starts giving us direction from there. Sometimes what we really want is we want God to be in the trunk, and we want to be able to hit that button and then just have him come out whenever we need it and And we can we fall into this trap with God, we fall into a trap of uh, uh, what it leads to is this trap of of managing our lives and, and doing okay, and then when life gets tough, that's when we pursue God, and we hit the button until life's okay and then it it's not, and then we hit the button instead of making it a daily pursuit of God our life our pursuit of God totally depends on what we're going through at the moment it's it's a we're, when we do that, it's like God's something to be used, not something that we're, uh, God's not, not one to, to be in relationship with. And that's the, that's the downfall of the, the religious approach to worship is it's just y- using God and not really seeking God. Um, it, it, it ignores this greater purpose that God is God and that he has a purpose for each of us and he, has, he wants to transform us from the inside out. If we just come before God to to uh, <clears throat> to give our due, that's not what God is looking for. Um, so one one area where I find myself doing this, where I find myself giving God scraps, giving God uh, giving God my my extra, just just using God, is in prayer. As disciples, God wants us to be committed to pray, to to spend time. Um, communicating actively, talking to him, listening, giving him our, our burdens, our troubles, our fears. But it comes often that I just, I, I don't seek God on, on a daily basis. I don't pray daily. I don't pray for, for his kingdom to come. I don't pray forward. I, what my prayer ends up looking like is is two minutes freaking out in the car saying, here's my laundry list, God, help me out. What if, instead of that, what if, what if we started each day with our hands up like this and just said, God, I surrender it all to you. Here's my day. Use me, God. Use me for whatever you want. What if we started our day like that, and then we allowed God to use us, we allowed God to, to respond to that? I think it would change our life if we just started every day with our hands up. Because because if we, uh, because I believe that Cain thought that God is God, but I don't think that Cain thought that God was good. I don't think that, that Cain, saw he ne- Cain saw he needed to honor God, but he didn't really want to know God because he didn't believe it would be worth it, that God was good. Abel, in contrast, believes that God is both God and God in that God is good and he puts his faith in God's goodness. Abel believes that that surrendering everything to God is better than holding back and giving to God with a tight fist like Cain. So Abel's gift is not religious, it's relational. It's focused on God. It's not given to appease God, it's given to bless God. It's saying, "Here it is, God. Here's everything." And here's, here's the best. And so Abel's aim is not just to check this off his list, but to give God glory, to bring God glory, and not to himself. Um, relationship, uh, relationship with God, it, it frees us from the checklist, and it allows us to just give because we actually love God, and we know that he actually loves us. Because God know, Abel knows that God loves him, he's able to respond from security, or from a place of security in his life. So when you contrast these two brothers, Cain and Abel, you, what, what you find out is that f- real faith, when we have real faith in God being God and God being good, that it overcomes selfishness. That if you truly believe that God is God and you truly believe that God is good and, and intends good for you, that overcomes our selfishness because that's ultimately what we what we want. we want to serve a good God, we want to be loved by a good God and so for a- for Abel, that relationship, that pursuit of God it's more important than holding on to everything that he's worked for it's more important than than holding on to stuff and when we when we realize that God is good, it makes it easier to say here's here's everything I have. Uh, I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to offer you uh, whatever you want. It's easier to put your hands up when you know you're surrendering to a good God. This surrender is a daily struggle. This surrender to to offer ourselves up to God is a daily struggle. It's an everyday battle. I'm reminded of this in, in Luke 9. Jesus says to his followers, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus says, "Take up your cross daily." That that cross image—that's surrender to God's will. That's surrendering our life. It's it's a it's a daily thing. So, if in in the struggle of selfishness, we've got to surrender daily. We've got to give it up daily. You know, we have we have a choice. It's not a popular thing to talk about denying yourself, especially for us, especially with people who subscribe to amazon prime it 's not a popular thing to talk about. Um, you know I, I subscribe to Amazon Prime. We live in a world where I can get anything I want in two days um, you know and and so to uh, this idea of surrender can be can be difficult. Um, it takes faith it 's risky um, it 's tough to lay down our pursuit. Of, of wealth, our pursuit of uh, everything we thought life was supposed to be in order to follow Christ. Um, we have to choose to, to surrender. Um, there's an author, Daryl Johnson, he describes it this way. He's talking about losing our lives for Jesus. He says, losing our lives for Jesus, denying ourselves, it means investing all that we are and have in him in his gospel. By saying to him, here's my home, my checkbook, My talents, my gifts, my brain, my heart, my hands, my feet, and my mouth. Here, it's all yours. It's all yours. Use it all to glorify yourself and further your purpose on earth. That's the posture of the raised hands that God wants us to have. So if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to grow in faith, it means surrendering to God on the daily whatever it is that that is holding us back it doesn't it doesn't have to be a, a wealth it doesn't have to be a, a job it could be your fear and your failures often our our fear and our failures is what gets us gets in the way of taking a step forward we're too focused on the past we're too we're too focused on on what we've done and we don't feel like God can use us or we're We're afraid of what could go wrong if we choose to trust. And so, again, surrendering could mean, uh, here's my fears and failures, God. Just just take them. Help me get over it. Help me get over it and just trust you. Enter into that, that space. My friend described this daily decision as getting up each morning and choosing to flip a switch. Choosing to flip a switch. Each morning we can choose to flip that switch either from from being God-focused or self-focused, you know, when we spend ten minutes honing in on God, having our hands up, we're we're flipping that switch to being God-focused. If we don't, I'm, our default is to just leave it on self-focused. And and when we're able to flip that switch, that changes our whole day. The way you see your coworkers that drive you nuts, the way you act with your kids, uh, the way you respond to a, a, an argument with your spouse, like it. It helps, it helps you get beyond yourself. And it ultimately says, it's all yours, God. Your will be done. Abel was able. Sorry, I didn't intend that, by the way. A- Abel flipped the switch. He experienced freedom from selfishness. He didn't give the best of the best with a closed fist. He gave it with an open fist, and it was a natural response. Because he was he was he flipped that switch when we do that we we treat people differently, we can seek God's best for other people without God's help, I think it's impossible to get off of ourselves I, I really do it's impossible to get off of ourselves unless we're seeking God so we can we can choose to walk in faith to flip the switch, or we can choose not to. The danger though is that if we if we choose not to flip that switch, if we reject living by faith and choose to live a self-focused life, we're living into a lie. The self-focused life is like a mirage. It, it doesn't deliver on what it promises. It's a trap because a, what, this, what this story tells us is that a life focused on self never satisfies, it destroys. A life focused on self never satisfies, it destroys. Let's go back to Cain. Cain wasn't used to being the ignored older brother, the ignored brother. You know, um, As an older brother, I can tell you, when your younger brother shows you up at something, that really gets under your skin. Um, when God rejects Cain's offering and accepts Abel's offering, Cain loses it. Uh, it says that Cain was filled with rage. His face fell. He became dejected. And we see God's goodness in this moment because God decides to coach Cain. He doesn't condemn Cain for being angry. He doesn't yell at Cain. He's trying to coach Cain through his, uh, his, his feelings. And I think that's God's heart. It's God's comfortable entering into that struggle with us. He knows that struggle we fight, that struggle between loving self and loving God. And this is what he says to Cain. He says, uh, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is a, co- this is a coach talking. It's like, man, this is the reality of the situation. Either you deal with your selfishness or it will rule you. It will control you. It will take you over. I mean, this, you can hear a coach talking through this. Like, you've got to master this. Cain... Just You've got to deal with this, man. But Cain doesn't listen to God, and instead he just lets that selfishness take over. And you already know what happens. I tried to prep you, but Cain goes and he kills his brother Abel. He, in his rage, he kills his brother Abel, thinking that that will solve the problem, thinking that if I just kill Cain, then, then I'll be happy. But that doesn't help. Actually, what that does is it further separates Cain from the selfishness that, uh, or from the happiness that he seeks, and even in that, like so, so Cain has has killed his brother. You know, he's he's got his blood on his hands. Even in that, God is merciful to Cain, and I think that's important to see that that C- God sees that Cain just made this mistake, just when I told you not to do this, and so He sends him out, but He protects him. He protects Cain, and um, but Cain loses his obviously his relationship with, with his brother. His parents, his life, he lives in exile because he thought for a moment that killing Abel would satisfy, uh, <clears throat> make up for, for his uh, shame. You know this, but you've seen, I'm sure, selfishness destroy relationships, uh, selfishness destroying marriages, selfishness destroying families, self, maybe selfishness destroying churches. But we see this play out over and over again. Selfishness destroys; it just flat out destroys. I had a friend um, recently get divorced because he was just unwilling to try to fix things between him and his spouse. And instead of it re- leading to happiness, it's actually it's actually created more problems. This, you know, of, of, of isolation and paying child support and hard, you know, hard separation. And I mean. That's a common story. That's a common story, and it's it's always tough. It's always sad. What God is offering us in this is not slavery. It's, God is not offering us slavery. He's offering us freedom from destroying ourselves. He's offering us freedom from destroying our lives with selfishness. As Cain discovers, selfishness is a trap that doesn't lead to freedom. It doesn't lead to what he's seeking. The only place that he can find freedom is in this surrender to God, but he rejects it. So selfishness destroys, but what we receive through faith, it never goes away. It never goes away. We will never regret doing this every morning. We will never regret opening our hands to God. Um, like Abel, we all, when we trust God, we receive an eternal inheritance that's locked up, that can't be touched. And then we receive the presence of God in our everyday life when we choose to surrender to Him, when we choose to say yes to God. I think the most powerful line of, of maybe of the whole chapter is is uh, is at the end of verse 4. It says, and through he's talking about Abel. It says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. He still speaks, even though he died. His faith still speaks, even though he lost his life. Abel's talked about all over the place in scripture. And he he knows where he's going. He's secure enough to step out and say yes to God even though it cost him his life. So so guys, this is this is a daily struggle. It's a daily choice that we all have to make. We are all fighting this. It's great that we're in a community that can fight this together. It's great that we're in a community defined by Love, grace, grace, love, and acceptance. That that when when we see each other make mistakes, that that's not the end. That we can be restored. That we believe in a God who walks with us, that coaches us all the way through. The struggle is a process. The struggle is a process, and and the good news is that God is super patient with us. He's patient with us in our journey from selfishness to living for Him. He knows where you're at. He's worked on billions and billions of other people with the same problem. <clears throat> so I don't know what that next step is for you. I don't know what that what that thing you have to surrender is. Um, but th- this morning, um, think about that. As, as, we, as we get ready to close, think about, think about what it is that God is calling you to surrender. Because the big question today is, what are you willing to offer? God what are you willing to offer God and that answer answer hopefully will be everything but there might be something specific that God's putting on your heart that he wants you to offer him because as I've said the the religious approach to God doesn't work it doesn't work to give God our scraps and in hopes that he leaves us alone that's not the kind of relationship that God is seeking God's seeking a life submitted to him so that he can invest in and, and grow and, and change for his purpose. Like God is, God is ready to act. God is ready to act in our lives. No matter where we're at, and I think that's the whole point of this series, I see God come into people's lives in their most vulnerable place and speak. And maybe that's what you need this morning. Maybe you need God to enter into... Uh, maybe you're going through something extremely difficult and you just need to see God enter into this vulnerable place with you and speak to you. We'll pray to that. Maybe you're hanging on to fears and failures that you've let define your life, that you've given them real estate in your life, that you've let control you, that you, you've allowed them to... to uh, It's, it changes us all of a sudden when we're walking with God God changes our desires from from being desires for self to actually wanting the things that Tyler.